Good morning. Well, in honor of the great occasion of Christmas brunch, um, if you were in Bible class, you heard um, Nehemiah had a six-hour sermon at one point. Um, thought this might be a really good occasion for one, huh? Well, I'll try not to go that long, but um, I do want to start with a prayer. Father, we pray that you would meet us in this place. And Father, that we, as we open your word, Father, we will feast from your table. And Father, we pray that in everything, our lives are lived in a way that glorify and honor you for all that you are and all that you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> when I was in college, my senior year, one of my best friends was a guy named Ben James. He's in this picture right next to me. Um, this was our senior year. He was number 29. And he became not only um, one of my best friends, he was the best man in my wedding. And um, he was also my roommate. And so the, the year after this picture was taken, we moved into a house together. And um, when you move into a house, there are some things that you need to do, um, like clean it. And so we went to Dollar General to buy cleaning supplies. And we're walking through the aisles, picking stuff up, and we come to one section with toilet cleaners. And I reach out and grab a toilet cleaner and put it in the basket, and he reaches out and grabs a toilet cleaner and says, no, it's this kind that we use. And I said, no, this is the kind we use. And he said, no, it's not. And we start to get angry at each other. Not, not like just, you know, joking around, but literally angry over which toilet cleaner we're going to buy. To the point one of us pushes the other. In Dollar General. Supposedly grown men buying toilet cleaner. And then it comes out. He says... This is what my mom used. And do you know what? This is what my mom used. See, our expectations were in a certain place of how things were going to work. And what it was going to be like to live together and to share chores and responsibilities and costs. We had these expectations, and when those expectations were not met the way we felt they should be met, we had a problem with one another. Has anyone ever failed to meet your expectations of them? But here's the bigger question. Has God ever failed to meet your expectations of Him? 
You see, the way that you thought God would show up, the way that you thought God would work, and it did not happen that way. And then you find yourself in a place where you are questioning and doubting and wondering if God is even in this thing altogether. I have a friend who just Friday lost her job. And she puts a post on Facebook and in the comments it says, I just don't understand what God is doing. How with everything going on in this time of year, especially with my kids, how can this happen? Where is God in this moment? I have another friend. We, we were in Cleburne yesterday to do a wedding. And I got to talk to a friend there who's been married for a long time. And early on in their marriage, they had a child who had Down syndrome. And his wife, at that point, was so angry at what had happened to their son that she said, you know what, I'm done. And she hasn't been back in the doors of a church since. Between Gracie between Ryan and Caleb, my wife and I had a miscarriage, our first of two. To make it worse, we were on the way to summer camp with all of our kids. And I remember thinking to myself as we were driving down the road, knowing what was happening, not being in a place where we could just Stop right then. And thinking, God, where, what are you up to? See, here's my assumption. That every single person in this room has been in a place at one time or another where you have questioned, where is God in this moment? God, what are you up to? Because if you are king, and if you are coming back, if, if you are God, then why the heartache, and why the brokenness, why the pain that comes with this world? For Israel, they had been in a place of waiting for centuries. Because this promised Messiah had still not shown up. And a man named John the Baptist enters the scene and he starts saying things like, Hey, here is the Messiah. I have seen him. He is coming. But after this, John finds himself in prison because of a king named Herod Antipas. He finds himself in prison and he is doubting and he's questioning God where are you and he says this when John who was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah 
he sent one of his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Now, now you have to understand, just a year or so ago, it is John who is saying, hey, I am here to prepare the way of the, 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 the Lord. I am here to show people that Jesus has come and he is the Messiah. He, he says this in John chapter 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. This is John, so certain that this is the Messiah. Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he finds himself in a prison cell. In a prison cell, wondering, God, where are you? Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? See, here's what I know. Is your vision will be limited by the walls that surround you. I mean, there's a real simplicity to that truth that's like, yeah, duh. But on a bigger scale, there is so much truth to that. Your vision will be limited by the walls that surround you. And some, sometimes I just wish we could be, you remember Superman in the comics? He had the x-ray vision and he could see through the walls. He would stare and then his eyes, these beams come and he sees through the walls and he sees what's happening. And then with his superhuman strength, he can break down the walls and move past. And sometimes I wish we could do that. Because sometimes we find ourselves surrounded by these walls and our vision is so limited that we cannot see what else God is doing in the world. We, we find ourselves in this confined space where we think our world is the world. And if God is not showing up here, then he must not be showing up there. Your vision will be limited by the walls that surround you. And those walls can cause it to be very dark. Where you begin to question and you begin to wonder, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? See, his present imprisonment 
did not match with his vision of the coming kingdom. See, we've waited for this Messiah to come. Because this Messiah is going to be king and he's going to rule and he's going to make everything right. And if he really is Messiah, then I shouldn't be in a prison cell. I shouldn't be surrounded by walls. I shouldn't be able to not see. And that limited vision comes to us in so many different ways. Sometimes that bondage comes through debt. Where we can't handle our finances. And we feel so burdened by the people we owe money to. That we feel like there's no way out. Maybe it comes through a diagnosis. A diagnosis for you or a diagnosis for a loved one. And you understand what the outcome of that diagnosis means for your life and for your family. It comes through dependence. Dependence that causes addiction where we are bound and we are held by things that we feel like we have no control over. And sometimes it looks like drugs. And other times it's alcohol. Sometimes it's pornography or sex. And we find ourselves dependent on something else to feel like we have to be sustained. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like God did not meet your expectations? Let me just tell you, you are not alone. See, John has this penetrating question. Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Has your vision for the kingdom ever been limited by the walls that surround you? Because you're going to be tempted to assume that all you see is all that there is. When those walls surround us and the darkness begins to cover us, and as we said last week, it can feel suffocating. We begin to assume that what we see is all that there is. I want you to listen to Jesus' response. Because I think the perception we have at different times 
is this idea, well, if you just had more faith, or if you just believed, I mean, that's what we expect Jesus to say, right? Come on, John. <laughs> Stop making such a big deal out of this. I mean, just, just have faith. Just pray a little bit more, and it's going to be okay. It's no big deal. Hey, I'm going to come get you out. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus sends word back through his disciples, John's disciples. He says, go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear and the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I want you to go back. I want you to go back and tell John what you see and what you hear. And here's why. Because inside that cell, his vision is limited. And he needs someone who has a broader perspective and a bigger vision to be his eyes outside of that cell. And he needs to be able to tell what is happening in this world because what he hears from you. See, Jesus sends his disciples back to him. Not to tell him everything is going to be okay. Don't worry, I'm going to break you out in a couple days. Don't worry. Just have faith. Just pray. He does not tell him that. He sends the disciples back to help John see where he is incapable of seeing. Because your vision will always be limited by the walls that surround you. You see, and there's a really hard truth in here that Jesus is going to communicate to John. There's a really difficult truth for us to grasp. And it's God may not save you from the bondage but rather save you through the bondage. God might not choose, John, to pull you out of the cell. He might instead choose to save you through the cell. He may not choose to pull you out of debt miraculously. He may save you through the debt. He may not pull you out of the diagnosis with healing and health. He may save you through the diagnosis. We expect God, a good and loving and gracious God, to show up and to pull us out of things. But the promise throughout the gospel is not that God will take you out, but it's He will be with you. 
He will be with you in the cell and he will save you through the cell. He will be with you in the bondage and he will save you through the bondage. He never promises John it's going to be okay. He realizes that John needs eyes. Eyes that can see beyond his limited vision. And Jesus, as he responds, chooses to quote and borrow from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. This is from Isaiah 35. The ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shall shout for joy. This is what Jesus quotes back to John through his disciples. It's not, hey, I'm going to get you out and it's going to be okay, just have faith. It's, hey, I understand you cannot see this right now because your vision is limited by these walls. But outside of these walls, the deaf can hear. The mute can shout. The dead are raised. The good news, the gospel is being proclaimed to the poor. Understand that my kingdom has come and is coming. And right now, with your limited vision, you cannot get a picture of it. But understand, it is here. See, the beauty of this passage in Isaiah, and and we'll look at the, the whole passage, but what Isaiah is telling these people who have been invaded by Assyria, that there is going to come a day when the curse is reversed. There is going to come a day when the curse that entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned, there is going to come a day when that curse is reversed. See, the the curse brought with it physical and spiritual pain. It wasn't just this spiritual pain and separation from God, but with it was going to come pain physically for the people and for the land and the creation. From, From this day point, this is what Genesis 3 says, from this day forward, The ground is going to produce thorns and thistles. This ground that you're going to work, that you were supposed to work before the curse, you're still going to work, but now the ground is going to work back against you. It's going to make it difficult. And so when Isaiah jumps in here, before he ever gets to the physical healing of people, he begins with the healing of God's good creation. He says, the desert and the parched land will be glad, and the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom, 
it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. Lebanon, Carmel, and Sharon are just um, metaphors for the most beautiful place in God's creation. And the beauty of them is going to be given to the dry desert and to the parched land. It will be brought to life. And the result of it is God's creation is going to rejoice and celebrate because they will see his glory. And he says, the strength of the feeble hands, steady the knees that gives way. Say to those who are fearful hearts, with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open. The ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer. The mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness. So he talks about creation, and then he talks about the physical healing of people, and then he goes back to the healing of creation. The burning sand will become like a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. The haunts where the jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And then he says, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. The wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. When Assyria invaded, all of the, the roads, all of the infrastructure was destroyed. And there was always a highway that was set up specifically for the king. It was only for him to walk on. But when God's creation is healed, when God's creation is redeemed, there is going to be a new highway. There is going to be a new path. And only the righteous will walk there. Everyone in God's good creation, the redeemed, will be there. It will be for them. It will be for their safety. And then he says, They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. On both sides of this passage, there is this rejoicing that happens because God's creation is restored. God's good creation will be redeemed. And John's understanding of this is when the Messiah comes, this is going to happen. And he asks this question, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Because my expectations of what this coming kingdom is supposed to look like are not being met. 
And God, I'm really starting to question because if you're not in this, I don't want to go down this road. If you're not in charge, if you aren't king of the universe, then I don't want to die this death. God, get me out of here. John, I want you to know something. The lame, they can walk. The blind can see. And the deaf can hear. And the mute can talk. God, John, John, my creation is being restored and redeemed. Don't lose heart. Don't stumble on account of me. Don't don't get lost in what you think is supposed to happen. Don't give up. Because your vision is limited by the walls that surround you. This past week, I got to take part in a funeral service that honored an incredible man. One of the biggest encouragers in my life. And it was a beautiful service. But one of the things that it does is it brings us to terms with the fact that this world is still broken. And there is still pain, and there is still heartache. And we still ask the question, God, where are you? And then last night, I got to experience the entire opposite end of the spectrum as we celebrated the life of a new couple. See, there are times when the walls that surround us feel like they're closing in, feel like they're suffocating us. And we've just got to ask this question. Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Go tell John. Go tell John what you see and what you hear. Because he needs new eyes. Go, go, go tell John. Come on. Keep following me. I know it's hard. But John, I am who you think I am. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. I am the coming King. I am the Son of God. 
I am Christ. I am Lord. I am the son of David. I am the son of man. I am the lamb of God. I am the new Adam. I am the new Moses. I am the new Elijah. I am the king of the Jews. I am the bright and morning star. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the great high priest. I am the line of Judah. I am the vine. I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the word made flesh. I am wonderful counselor. I am mighty God. I am everlasting father. I am the prince of peace. I am Emmanuel, God with us. I am John And I understand that the darkness is suffocating. And I understand that you can't see because your vision is limited by these walls. But outside of these walls, God's creation is being redeemed and it's being restored. And it began with the person named Jesus who died and rose from the dead. And the tomb is empty and we have life because he lives. John. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Keep following me. Because this promise that was made through the prophet Isaiah was referred to for the hope of John. But it's also given so that you would have hope. See, here's the promise. That when the Messiah comes, he will strengthen strengthen the feeble hands and he will steady the knees that give way He will say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come and save you. See, the job of the church is to help one another see through the walls that limit our vision. Because when you are in those dark places, it is easy to assume that what you see is all that there is. As a church, there are times when we have to be hands and feet for one another and for this world. But there are also times when we need to be the eyes and ears to help people 
who are struggling to see. See a renewed creation bursting forth all around us. This last week I got to hear several stories of people in our church comforting people who had lost loved ones. I got to hear stories of people going outside of their home, going next door, inviting neighbors over for dinner. I got to hear stories of people who are serving some of our elderly members in this church in amazing ways. You see, sometimes we struggle to see. But sometimes that's because we don't open our eyes and hear with our ears. Because God is at work all around you. So today, may you be the hands and feet where God needs a physical presence of hands and feet in this world. And may you be the eyes and ears of people who cannot hear and cannot see to take the good news that Jesus lives to this world. To let them know there is hope beyond these walls. Father, we thank you for this time. And Father, we pray that you would bless us as your people and as your church. Father, help us to see and to hear when we struggle to see and hear. Help us to be hands and feet when we need to be your hands and feet. And help us to be your eyes and ears when we encounter people who need us to be their eyes and ears. Father, your kingdom has come and it is coming. And we wait. We wait in expectation for you to show up. But Father, may we never miss all the ways that you show up every single day. And Father, may we share that good news with this world. Lord, come quickly. We pray in Jesus' name. If you've never given your life to Christ, we offer you the invitation this morning. If we could simply pray for you, um, we're going to have shepherds and staff around the back of the auditorium. We would love to do whatever we could to help you in your journey of faith. If it's to be baptized, we would love to share that moment with you as well. So whatever your need, come while we stand and sing.